start your business for the freedom of time. Now you're tired of the hustle and grind. There's gotta be a better way. It's time to listen to Chill and Prosper. Welcome to Chill and Prosper. You're ready to chill and prosper with Denise Duffield Thomas. Hey, it's Denise here, and thank you for listening to Chill and Prosper. This week's episode, I've decided to do a um, a random episode, actually, because I get so many questions um, from the bootcamp community, from the Lucky Bee community, from listeners like you, and some of them don't necessarily necessarily warrant a whole Chill and Prosper episode about it. So I thought I'll just go through my list of questions that have come up and um, give you some answers. And sometimes the answer is just like, do what you want. <laughs> I think sometimes we just want someone just to say, yeah, it's fine. You can do whatever you want. So um, one of the first questions was, is there a difference between what you do now as a multi-million dollar business owner compared to what you did at the start of your business? And I think this is such a good question because I get asked a variation of this all the time about like, what's your routine and what do you do? And I think it's because sometimes people think that when you start making more money, it's like you graduate and people give you a certificate and you're like, wow, now you're a completely different person. Congratulations. And there isn't any moment where you step from one world to another because you're already in the journey. So whoever you are now and whatever habits and things you do now, chances are you'll take that along with you as you make more and more money. And it's not like I've become more organized. I've not become a better person in any way. I'm just still me and I've just made money because I just tell people about what I do as me. Do you know what I mean? Like, so whatever you, th- yeah, whatever I'm saying, people are like, well, what do you do for journaling? What do you do thinking? I'm like, same stuff. It's the same stuff over and over again. Um, you have to tell people about what you do. That's it. Just tell people. And if you've read Chill and Prosper, my book, about business, there's I share my million dollar marketing strategy and it's share what you know, as in tell people how you can help them and all your tips and then make offers, like as in just tell people how you can help them. And so that's the only thing that I've done. And I'm not even that organized. I just like, hey, I've got a boot camp. Come and join my boot camp. Or I like, hey, do you want some tips about pricing? Hey, you want to come join my boot camp? And that's it. And so I think those questions always come of like, oh, she must know something or she must be different. And I'm like, there's however you are now, you can make money how exactly how you are. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So the next question was, um, tell me more about when you switched your business. So I used to have a I've had a couple of different businesses, um, but when did I switch to talking about money and how did I decide to switch? And that's such a great question because I actually felt a really strong calling to do it. I felt like I just wanted to talk about money and I felt like this soul calling to talk about money and I resisted it for a long time. I actually was just like, I don't even want to say the F word because there's kids listening sometimes. I just was like, no, I'm not talking about money. No, I'm not allowed to talk about money. You're only allowed to talk about money if you're a financial advisor or an accountant. Money is a taboo topic. I'm not qualified to talk about money. And But yet my little soul whispering was just like, yeah, talk about money. And I'm like, no. Um, and so I, I really consciously remember that switch. I went, okay, universe, I will talk about money, but 
I will only talk about it on my terms in my own silly way and I'm not going to be a financial advisor and I'm not going to go back to uni and get another certificate. I'm just going to talk about money, how I would talk about anything in life to my friends. Okay, deal? And I was like, you send me the clients and I'll I'll show up and do the things. So I do remember that switch of just going, I'm bored with this topic. You know, and a lot of my previous businesses, I would get bored about the six-month mark. And so I just want you to, to know you have permission to follow those threads and go, I actually really want to talk about this. And sometimes you have to do that inner work like I did to go, I'm allowed to talk about money. It's safe for me to talk about money. I, my views are valid. My, um, my information has value. I'm allowed to talk about this. And so, yeah, think if there's anything for you where you're just like, I really want to talk about that, but really look at your excuses. Everyone's done this already. There's no new ways to talk about it. I'm not qualified enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm, not, I'm too old. I'm too young. They're the things you have to work on because in reality, you're allowed to talk about anything. You're allowed to switch and pivot whenever you like. Yeah. All right. So that's when I made this switch. Okay. A lot of people ask me about um, being a mom and being an entrepreneur. And there's variations of questions of like, how do you juggle it? And what do you do? So I'm really honest about the fact that I'm not a particularly maternal person. Um, I like my kids. They're great. They're lovely. But I've never been someone who's just been like, oh, I just want to be a mom or I just want kids. For me, my interest is in freedom, personal freedom and wanting to do my own creative projects and have my own business. And so I will never like neglect my kids for the sake of business, but it's like business is really important to me. And I feel bad even saying it, but because at the start when I started having kids, I didn't have any business friends who were also mums. I was only surrounded by mums who were like, oh, this is my, I love this so much. And I was like, it's fine. But I really want to write my book. <laughs> like I'm like, yeah, it's fine. And you might even judge me even saying this. So my philosophy in parenting is I am there to teach them to love themselves, create a safe environment for them. But I'm not there to be everything to them and sacrifice my dreams. Um, and it doesn't mean I'm neglecting my kids. I'm trying to justify it, right, because I know it sounds bad. But um, And so I don't feel like I have to be the perfect parent. I don't feel like I have to be the alpha mummy. I'm not competing to be the best parent. I'm just like, I'm going to create a safe, loving environment for them and teach them what I know. And they pick stuff up from me all the time. I don't even realize that they pick stuff up. Um, and I outsource everything as much as possible. I do not want to do laundry. I do not clean the house. I don't even cook um, because I just don't feel like, for me, that's not um, how I want to validate myself as a parent, so I don't do it. it doesn't, it's not important to me to be a good cook, so I don't do it. No judgment on anyone else who wants to do those things. And as I've made more money, I've outsourced more and more. So I've never felt guilty about that because I don't feel like I need to do all the laundry for my kids to have a good upbringing with me as their mum. As I said, no judgment on anyone else. So I, yeah, I outsource. I've a housekeeper. I've got um, a nanny. Um, and I really see them as my village. You know, they're all really just beautiful people who love my kids as much as I do, who hold the space for me to discipline them and teach them things. Like my nanny teaches the kids so much about inclusivity and um, she's obsessed with Harry Styles. So now my four-year-old is obsessed with Harry Styles. But she teaches them about kindness and things like that. And so I have, I've got that village around me and I've done that through outsourcing and paying for people to help me. So yeah, anyway, that's, um, 
I've written a, a, quite a bit about that, about what I outsource at home. So if you're reading the show notes, we'll link to a few of those too. Okay. Oh, this is so much fun. I'll do a few. If you like these Q&As, let me know and I'll do some more in the future. Okay. How to feel worthy and valuable when you're not working um, and getting rid of productivity equaling worth. So this is such a great question and I, I have a feeling it's coming from a fellow ruler in the money archetypes. The rulers want to work all the time and that's how we get our value from productivity. But the problem is it's never enough, never, ever enough. There's always more to do. So ju- that's just how you're wired um, and every archetype is wired in a different way. Um, so I can just say I am a work in progress around this because I do feel guilty sometimes if I'm not working um, and I just make sure that I put things that I can't get out of. So I've just hired a yoga teacher to come twice a week. I used to do once a week. And then my yoga teacher went on maternity leave and I didn't do it for a year. And I would rather work. I absolutely would. But she comes and I have to do an hour. And so it's not about waiting till you feel like or, or going, oh, one day it will be different. I, I just know I'm like that. Okay. So, so much of the work that I teach is acceptance of who you are. And then you find ways around that. So acceptance, I'm always going to want to work more than anything else. So I have to hire someone to come. So I have an hour of not working. That's the only way I can do it. Accountability, having a friend who comes to your house and says, let's go for a walk. Um, booking those regular massages. Like it's, it is just who you are. So I would say I'm, I don't necessarily have a good work-life balance because I love working so much and I have to make sure it doesn't get too self sabotage Okay, uh, this is on a similar one and then we'll do a little um, uh, break. Uh, when rec- How do you recognize when your health is asking you to chill out? Because it can be so tempting to work, work, work while the motivation's there. This is a great question because, again, it's that feeling that you have to work hard to make money. And so if you know that you have health challenges or energy challenges or you have caring responsibilities, then make sure that you've got some passive income in your business that you have built some ease into your business, that you embrace batching content, that you embrace automation. So then it doesn't all fall apart if you can't work or you don't want to work or you don't feel like working. My business is very consistent, not because I am consistent, it's because I've built those structures in place. And sometimes like I don't want to do anything. I just want to go to the movies or like sit and watch Kath and Kim on Netflix. Um, But my business supports that. Okay. So sometimes if we ignore those feelings that uh, ignore our health or it it can get out of balance. And sometimes I've noticed that the universe kind of sends something to just go, oh, you've got to stop. And that's when everything can fall apart. So on that happy note, let's take a really quick break and um, we'll be back with some more questions to answer. All right. See you in a sec. Bye. Hi, Denise. Zoe Cross here again. And um, so the previous one was for Chill and Prosper. Um, <coughs> so I pre ordered because I absolutely loved, and it was a breakthrough, Chillpreneur. Uh, that was the first book that I read. In fact, I think I did read Get Rich, Lucky Bitch. Um, <laughs> but um, I'll just enter on the basis of Chillpreneur and Chill and Prosper. So talking about Chillpreneur, one of the 
one of the many things that was amazing for me was that I reached out uh, this February to somebody I'd spoken to um, some time before and said, hey, I've been thinking of you and I just wanted to let you know that my prices are going up and I wanted to offer you work with me for the old price. And it worked like a charm, so I got him as a customer and he was just at the right stage to work with me. Um, in fact, I hope that I will, um, I want to reach out to him again and ask him if he interested uh, in working further because he wants to start his own business and he has a disability just like me. Thank you so much for your work, Denise. Okay, friend, welcome back. Today on Chill and Prosper, we're doing a Q&A where people have submitted questions. And I'm sorry I'm not saying their names, but my team has just given me the questions. <laughs> as though hoping I would just do a podcast episode on it. So thank you if you've submitted questions and um, I'm not saying your name because I don't know who it is. All right, so how do you know when you're ready to quit a business? So I actually have done a whole episode about this. Um, so go and search my websites. How to, when to know if you need to quit a failing business. I um, did it recently and let me see if I can find the number for you. I think it is number 56. Number 56, when you should quit a failing business. Um, and I did a whole thing about that, so I won't answer that one. Next question is, uh, dealing with the post-success slump. Not a lot of people talk about this, okay? Um, I've experienced it myself many times where I hand in something or I have a launch or I do something that should feel good and it actually feels horrible. Um, this happened to me recently with my new book, Chill and Prosper. It's got a brand new cover, um, new case studies. It's awesome. Go pre-order it if you're listening to this or post-order it. Get your bonuses at denisedt.com slash prosper. It's awesome. But when I hand it in, people are like, oh, you must be so proud. You must be so excited. Oh, it got to X on the list. And I just went, no. Nah. I, I, well, I have to say, yeah, it feels great. Thanks. But I was really just like, no, it actually feels like shit. Um, and it's that post-success hangover, I call it. This person's called it the post-success slump where you just go, ma, it wasn't that good. Um, and it doesn't feel good. So what do I do? <laughs> First of all, when I um, when I know the dates of a launch, I'll often then book things in as part of the post-launch. It's just as important. And that might mean a massage, a lunch with friends, a little weekend away, just something to make that feeling feel better. <laughs> to either distract me or to not even to reward me because I don't feel like I need a reward necessarily, but it's just like to go, oh, yeah, you don't even realize that your shoulders are so tense. Go and have a massage. Um, drinking lots of water, just those kind of things. Where I've made the mistake is that I've often then booked a lot of uh, like maintenance things afterwards, as in I'm like, oh, now I can go to the dentist. Oh, now I can do the thing. And oh, now I can get a pap smear. And then it feels like it's a punishment. <laughs> Because then you're like, oh, I've just done this thing. Oh, now I've got to do all these crappy errands. So don't book all of those things straight after your launch. Book nice things. Because <laughs> seriously, I did this with, had a whole big filming week and I'd filmed amazing videos for um, my Sacred Money Archetypes course. And I finished it and the next week I was like, I was like, oh, post office, pelvic floor physio, blah, 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 dentist. Like, I was just like, oh. That didn't feel good, but it was all stuff I'd kind of been putting off. Oh, I had to go get a blood test for 
check my iron levels. I was just like, oh, man. So, yeah, be mindful of the fact that you will have a bit of a drop of, what is it? It's like the drop of adrenaline, the drop of dopamine, and then you're just like, blah. So you just need to make sure you're doing things that are uplifting as opposed to things that you got to check off. <laughs> that makes funny. Uh, makes me laugh. Okay. Um, all right. So someone's asking about focusing on the money-making activities. What does that actually mean? And I don't always know what is working and what's not. Okay. So I, I do say that often. I say to people, make sure you're doing money-generating activities or money-making activities. What's the difference? So Sometimes in business, we can get very caught up in stuff that does not make us any money. It's a nice to have. I'm talking about things like procrastinating, branding, fiddling with things that are already done, fiddling with your course instead of finding new people to do the course, uh, finding the right background color for your website, hyper-focusing on 50 different fonts, moving things a pixel over. I think branding is important, don't get me wrong, but it's not the thing that will necessarily make you the money. If, you're, if your current branding's fine. Um, and so I often do things like that in my business too. I'll procrastinate. I'll work on projects that I'm not even going to launch, you know, or things that I just go down rabbit holes and go, oh, that would be fun to do. And so money-making activities is just like, are you marketing? You know, and that depends on what you do, right? If, if you sell widgets, are you doing things that are contributing to a sale to a widget? You know, are you telling people about what it is? Are you actively reaching out to people to say, hey, buy my widget? Uh, money making, money generating activity could be, you know, telling people how they can book in with you, telling people about your launch, putting together bonuses and telling people about how they can get your book you know, and so it totally depends on what you do. Booking calls in for people, you know, you might have a service and you have people give, like, sorry, people have like a 15-minute call to see if it's the right fit. So it's like reaching out to people and saying, here's my service and here's how you can book in with me. Um, so it's really anything that has a call to action on it. Social media stuff can be money generating if you're doing a call to action, um, if you're just procrastinating and no one gets to see it, then I, I think that's procrastination. Okay. So it's, yeah, I could, and someone's saying, I feel confused and stuck about it. And I, I get that, you know, but it doesn't mean it's like you have to be perfect. Sometimes it's just finding those little things of least resistance that feel okay. And then it generates a bit more. Okay. So um, a couple of questions here about what if you've got a job or a part-time job and you're doing your business as a side gig? Um, you know, what do you do? So there's nothing wrong with that. Oh my God, it's it's good to make sure that you've got money because it's easier to be creative when you know that you're going to be fed, especially if you've got kids or pets or caring responsibilities. Um, you can put a lot of pressure sometimes on a new business to make money straight away um, and that can be paralyzing, right? So totally fine if you've got a job. Um, what I did is I had a very busy um, job in consulting many, many years ago. And I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so I realized that I didn't have any bandwidth. I didn't have any energy because that job was, um, it was busy. You know, it was long hours. It was big deadlines. It was just, it took up a lot of bandwidth. Even my commute was was long, right? So I deliberately found um, a job that was 
a little bit less pressure, something I didn't have to stress about so much. So I went from consulting to a nonprofit and it was still five days a week, but it was only um, five minutes from my house. So suddenly I bought back like two hours of time just in commuting time and everyone left at five o'clock on the dot. So I was like, oh, and it was just less pressure all around. I think I took a little bit of a like a pay cut. I wasn't very well paid as a consultant anyway, but um, uh, I did take a pay cut, but it was worth it. So suddenly I had bandwidth for my business. Then after a year of that, I, I um, went to part-time and I did three days a week. And again, it was just I, as I was learning how to do my business. So you don't have to do it. It's not all or nothing. It can be totally incremental. Um, but what I actually did, the very deliberate mindset shift I made in that last job, the three-day-a-week one, is I was like, I'm not going to get involved in office drama. And I didn't have lunch every day with coworkers. Sometimes I would go in like journal or something like that. Um, but I just, I always felt like this is temporary. You know, I've got one foot out the door and that's how I went into that job. And it sounds bad, but I was just like, I just went in, just did my job and, and went home and it was fine. You know, so if you have a job, you can just say to yourself, this is only temporary. This is only temporary. I listened to inspiring podcasts on my way to work. I printed out my dream board. I put it in my office drawer. I had my password on my office computer as one of my, it was like, you know, six figure business or full-time business, something like that. And so it, it can just be incremental, but you need to remove stresses so you have time and energy for your business, especially at the start when you, you know, you don't always know what you're going to do. You have to have some time to practice. So if, yeah, if you're listening to this in a job, I love you. I know it's only temporary. Your business dreams are valid. They really are. Okay. A couple more questions. And if this has been fun for you and you like hearing these, this format of Q&A, let me know because I'm totally happy to do, you know, not all, not every week, but I'll I'll do some every now and again. It's super fun, um, and because I like thinking on the fly, it's I love it's my favorite way of doing stuff. Not preparing, woohoo! Um, okay, one more question for this one. Something I struggle with is saying no. I don't like turning down work. I don't like turning down red flag clients. But does that mean I'm saying to the universe that I'm not open to receiving money? This is such a great question. I love this so much. Um, Okay, I'm a money mindset coach, right? So I love talking about abundance. But I want to let you know, not all money is good money. You're allowed to have discernment around anything in your business. If you're asking, oh, universe, send me three new clients and like three really pain in the butt people come up, that doesn't mean you have to take what you're given. That's a lesson to unlearn. You know, you get what you get and you don't get upset is what you learn in primary school. But you're a grown-up now. You're allowed to choose. You're allowed to have discernment and you're allowed to send back non-ideal anything, non-ideal manifestations. Um, and you can just say, oh, I meant to say, hey, universe, please send me three ideal clients who are lovely to work with who all choose my top package. You know, you don't just have to go, oh, well, I made my bed. Now I have to lie in it. Um, you're allowed to have discernment. It doesn't mean that you're rejecting money. It's actually the next level of money mindset of going, I'm allowed to choose. It's safe for me to choose. I'm allowed to say no. Not all money is good money. It feels so good when you can get to that point. Um, because you know what it's like if sometimes if you 
ignore your gut, it costs you more in the long run, right? It really does. Okay, so that's the last question we've got time for today. As I said, let me know if um, if you like this format to hear a couple of episodes every now and again of Q&A. Um, but otherwise, yeah, make sure you're on my newsletter list because I've got some really cool things coming up soon. Just go to denisedt.com slash newsletter. Make sure you're the first to find out. And um, don't go away, though. I've got one more final thought right after this final message. See you in a sec. I am Steph. I'm from Bristol in the UK, and I'm a human and veterinary physiotherapist. And I read the book. It was the first book I read of Denise's Lucky Bitch. And I loved it. It was. It shows that someone who was normal, <laughs> a normal person, went on to being a millionaire. And it showed how she did it and what happened. And it was so inspiring. So inspiring that it's literally changed the way I think, the way I do things. And I've read all of her other books and they get better and better each one I read. Thank you so much, Denise. Hi, I'm Kara, a business owner from Luxembourg, and I just started reading Denise's new book recently, Chill and Prosper, and from the very first page, I was hooked. I really need to stop the hustle, and it just spoke to me from the very beginning, and I'm so excited to keep reading, to get all the nuggets, and to apply everything that she says so that I can slow down, chill, prosper, but not hustle. Hey, welcome back and thanks for listening. My final thought for today is it's allowed to be easy. I really was like, oh, it's cheating to do a whole episode just answering people's questions. And I was like, oh, but it feels so much fun. And so maybe that's a lesson for you that it's allowed to be easy. You're allowed to do something in your business that feels good and easy for you. So if there's something you're like, I don't want to do it like that, don't. Find the easy path, the easy path of least resistance because money loves ease. All right, have a beautiful, easy week, easy, chilled and abundant week. And I'll see you next week on Chill and Prosper. Take care, bye. Thanks for listening to Chill and Prosper. Tell your friends to chill and prosper. Review and subscribe. We hope you had a very good time.